0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates.
1: Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Inside the Tunnel, brought to you by VT Scoop 24-7 Sports. My name is Andrew Alex. I am joined by one-third. Yes, one-third of the usual posse. Evan Watkins is a busy man with children. Doug Bowman cares more about vacationing than he does about Virginia Tech Sports. But in the saddle, Matei alive and well, live from... Our nation's capital. How you doing, dude? I'm living it up. You know, it's 95 degrees today, so it's a
0: perfect day to stay inside, stay cold, and record a podcast. Even though the others couldn't show up, I'm excited to kick it off. I know we haven't done a pod in quite a while, so I'm excited to talk Virginia Tech sports in general.
1: Yeah, and and ton to talk about. I guess we can start with the news that really broke today. And quite frankly, it was not something that I personally would have put money on going down. Justin Mutz coming out of the draft will return to Virginia Tech, use that COVID year. Our friend Dr. Jeremy Counts tweeted they're going to have to start making new classes for him to take because he may have taken them all already. And gosh, that could be true. But I feel like suddenly. Virginia Tech, as you project towards next year, where before the return of Mutz, it was, well, it's a good thing we got that ACC championship because this year seems to be something where, you know, an NIT berth could be considered a victory to now eyes on the NCAA tournament once again.
0: Yeah, I, I am so excited about Virginia Tech basketball for next year. Obviously, you cannot replace a guy like Keve Aluma. It's impossible and what he's brought to the program. And, you know, the Heights last year were set high with the ACC tournament win, uh, winning the ACC championship. But when you bring a guy like Mutz, who's just so good in every single situation back into the fold, and you already have so many depth pieces, you have quality talent on the roster And what Mike Young has been able to do this offseason to bring in big guys, Malaysia Potet, I think I'm, I don't know how to pronounce (laughs) his last name. (laughs) We'll figure it out. That's still a work in progress. Point being, this team not only has more depth, I'd argue, than last year, but now they have the size. How many times have we been on this podcast saying, you know, I wish there was another big man. Now Virginia Tech has... You know, more players than not over the size of six, seven. So, this is going to be a tall, deep lineup. They have plenty of potential. Grant Basile coming in, uh, taking Keve Aluma's spot. Uh, it's just, it's a deep roster. There's a lot of potential there. I think they can reach similar heights. I'm not going to go ahead and say they're going to win the ACC championship. Again, but this is a team that's gonna be in serious contention and I think expectations have only been raised with Justin Mutz returning.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm curious to see, you know, these transfers, how they slide in now, because it seems like Virginia Tech went above and beyond getting guys like John Camden, getting guys like Potet to try to fill that void that we assumed we were losing with Justin Mutz. So now, I mean, assuming in this day and age in college basketball, nothing can ever be assumed, but assuming that everyone stays on board, there is, you know, a a good amount of depth there, factoring in the fact that you're adding the depth of the guard position with a guy like Rodney Rice and the rest of the freshman class. Like, again, ACC championships are not the expectation. It is amazing that it happened. But I think we're getting to a point with Virginia Tech basketball where NCAA tournaments are the expectation. Virginia Tech has made the NCAA tournament now five years in a row, six years in a row. Of course, we can't count the year that they didn't have the tournament. We never know what the selection committee would have done with 500 Virginia Tech on Sunday. We never know. We will never know. And by the way, like we're not the only ones that do that. Carolina would have missed the tournament too, and they claim it. Why not us? But my hopes for Virginia Tech basketball have certainly elevated in such a short period of time Especially given like With this team And I think this is something that Mike Young did So well right away And it started with Wabisa Sabidi And it's developed through guys like Hunter Couture, Kevin Luma And Justin Mutz The culture is strong And Mutz is Going to be The team leader I mean probably alongside Kator. With this group, but to basically not have to really start a new culturally is something that, you know, you can't really put like a numeric value on. And I think that this doesn't only pose well for the immediate future, but being able to transition this program culturally from that era of the Justin Mutzes and the Hunter Couture's to these younger guys who are coming up through the program will pay dividends in the long term as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, it's not about saying every year, OK, the expectation is to win the ACC championship. It's being in the conversation, being in the conversation consistently at the top of the ACC. And I think, you know, there could have been a big dip heading into next year with all the attrition. Uh, but now in the day and age of the transfer portal, I mean, Mike Young has navigated it brilliantly. He's bringing in guys from all over. Like you said, he knows how to establish culture. And now it's a lot easier when you have a guy like Couture and Mutt saying, hey, we just did this. We just beat North Carolina. We beat Duke. We know what it feels like to see that confetti, confetti fall over our heads. Like, follow our lead. Follow what he says. This is the way to do it. And it, it's so cool to see that go over generations. I feel like it's so rare to see a program like Virginia tech to consistently win with the Dukes and the UNCs out there. And, you know, having a program that can establish that identity and, and bring that winning mindset season after season and keep it consistent for generations to come, you know, the freshmen coming in are going to learn from a guy like Mutz. They're going to take it with them and pass it on to the guys that, you know, fill their shoes So I think it's a really, really exciting time for Virginia Tech basketball, especially talking about the culture and what they're building. It feels like they're finally, you know, getting to a point where, you know, you can, it's okay to expect big things. It's no longer, okay, there's one good year, one okay year. Maybe we'll have a good year every three years or so. It's now's the time to expect, you know, great things from this program for a long
1: time. I think the best way to put it with Virginia Tech basketball since about year two of Buzz Williams, there was never a game. There isn't a game that you go into where you feel you are completely out of it before the game even starts. We can't say that on the gridiron because that's not the case on the gridiron. But, you know, it hasn't always been sunshine and roses, but even in year one of Mike Young, You know, third game of his tenure, they go out and beat number one Michigan State. Like, talk about setting a tone a year later against Villanova. And then, obviously, even the ups and downs that came with last year or with the season of the ACC championship, even during the losing skids, you know, they still hung in there with Duke for the vast majority of the game, even when times were really tough. And I think that the return of Justin Mutz at least sets the precedent that that will continue and that's good news uh on the outs though is david Ngusan. He he enters the transfer portal this is a guy that you know really came into the year with a lot of hype whether he lived up to it or not i guess is in the eye of the beholder but uh as you know the the race to replace Kevin aluma via the transfer portal got hot i it seems like Ngusan saw the writing on the wall and uh he's not going to be with the team next year by the time yeah. Not only that,
0: I mean, you look at this roster and I mentioned it before, but, uh, you know, I can't, I can't do the, the mental math right now, but there are so many guys that are over six foot seven and just, you know, occupying the four or the five. And, you know, does, and want to be the guy that's going to be a key reserve playing 11 to 15 minutes a night. He probably wants to go somewhere where he can establish himself, you know, a couple years into his collegiate career, I, you know, I don't blame him for for testing the waters. That's what the NCAA transfer portal is for. There was a lot of optimism that he could come back. Uh, you know, we were hearing that a couple weeks ago. Um, but the situation in Kansas State that looked ideal to him. He will get more playing time, I'm sure. Or, or at least that's probably what he's being told. Uh, he was a good depth piece that wouldn't have been a starter for the next two years. So I don't blame his decision. It's just, you know, sometimes in this era, this modern era of, of you know, football, basketball, there's going to be guys that you see the talent, you see an opportunity to contribute to the team, but sometimes they just want more and you can't blame a kid for that.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how his career develops. I mean, I definitely saw the potential there. You know, he's a guy that has the ability, you know, probably stretch out to the three-point line. The size might not necessarily be there, but ultimately, I mean, these players know their situation better than we can from the outside, right? And he clearly felt that the way things developed down the line with his minutes dwindling, that his best chance to make an impact on the floor would be probably somewhere else. And, you know, the team's approach to the offseason reflected that. And, you know, you wish the kid the best of luck because at the end of the day, as much as we as fans want everyone to stay in orange and maroon forever, it's like the same deal with Nahima Lane People are going to go where they have the best chance to play and make a serious impact. And if you feel like you're good enough to go to another power five and play and make a serious impact, you're not good enough here. You know, that, That's just the, the decision that people are going to make. So let's move on, though, to, uh, I suppose, softball. Virginia Tech softball, unfortunately, despite probably feeling, at least as fans, maybe we felt like this group had the best chance of any team, maybe since Michael Vick in 1999, to bring the first team national championship to Virginia Tech outside of bass fishing. But alas, they take game one, kind of blow game two, and then from the jump – in game 3 with an error to start the game and then two players colliding on what would have been a can of cord and fly ball to get out of the first inning scoreless and you know sometimes there's a bad omen in the air and it spirals to a 12 nothing loss Matei, hey, you know 10,000 foot view how, how can we view this i
0: mean it's tough it was a,
1: it was almost like a
0: miracle season for virginia tech softball all the stars aligned Uh, And, you know, to to get the number three overall seed to face a team like Florida, where you believe that, you know, if Virginia Tech can can just win two of these games, they can go through, especially after how game one went. You know, it's just it's such a deflating feeling, I think, for all of them. I think you can you can sit back and say that you're proud of the program and look like we're talking about Virginia Tech. All athletics now. It's not just, okay, what's going on in football? What's going on in basketball? It's this softball program is legit and they had a lot of stars that awaited their time, all came together. It was an incredible year and it, it, it's, it's devastating, honestly, to, to lose the way they did, especially in game three, uh, so lopsided and, you know, to, to not make the women's college world series, but, um, you know, hats off to them for, for representing Virginia Tech proud. And, you know, it was, it was, it was tough to watch the, the post game interviews they did with the players and just seeing how emotional they were and, and, and saying how much they owe to Virginia Tech. But, you know, they made a lot of Virginia Tech fans proud. And I think, you know, again, just tip your caps, uh, to the women's softball team. It was an incredible year.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But the dream is still alive on the diamond, Matei. From an afterthought, really? I mean, when you were you, you and I were in college at roughly the same time, was there any NCAA tournament appearances when we were in college? No, so. none.
0: And in fact, interest-wise, you know, it, it, it's, it's not the same as it is now. This was a, you know, bottom-dwelling program that needed that heavy investment, needed the Whit Babcock, you know, this is my sport, to really
1: get going. And it took a while. It did. It did. I mean, I remember on radio years ago, maybe not years ago, but last year when they collapsed, it was like, is coach chef really getting it done? Is the clock ticking on him? Is he on the hot seat? And I, I think there was almost a universal feeling of maybe he wasn't on the hot seat, but if things didn't go, in a positive direction this year, he certainly would be. And then it all came together at the right time. And suddenly you go from, like you said, middle of the pack program, really for an afterthought to a middle of the pack program to now the number four national seat. And I mean, I was a little bummed because, you know, I went down to Charlotte. For those of you that don't know, I, I am moving to Charlotte here uh, in about three weeks. So went down to secure an apartment Coincidentally, of course, total coincidence, decided to look for apartments the weekend of the ACC tournament in Charlotte, go there on Friday and they are down five nothing by the time I get back from the beer line, haven't even taken my seat yet. That being said, single elimination baseball tournaments are stupid. Stupid. Uh, I could, what they really should do is make a cutoff to get into the ACC tournament, make two large pool plays and just play a championship based on that. So everyone plays each other in the pool, and then the championship is best two out of three. But the ACC, you know, I could give them a lot of advice. So we'll start with some bigger stuff than that. That being said, the selection committee does not overthink it. Virginia Tech, the number four overall seed, that means they get a regional. And if they can get through the regional, a super regional in Blacksburg, I'm excited I might get a speeding ticket on my way to the Lane stadium parking lot or the English field at union park parking lot on (laughs) Friday after work. Like let's we, you know, we've seen feels like all season long, but because of the way last season went down, I've just been waiting for it to all fall apart. And it never really did. You know, they ran through the finish line of the regular season with their foot on the gas. Like they were Dale jr. at the, Daytona 500 right after his dad died. But is this a college World Series caliber team?
0: I mean, the way the way I'm looking at it, I mean, why not? Why not Virginia Tech? And, and you know, just to pay a little more homage to the softball team, it's pretty cool that Virginia Tech is the only D1 school to have baseball and softball in the top four nationally. Um, th- this is going to be sick. For Virginia Tech baseball. And, you know, I, I like their odds. It's interesting that they're playing Wright State to open it up, who barely finished above 500, uh, but seems to be a solid team. Uh, they, they did have one loss. I believe it was, you know, a couple months ago, 11 of 5. But otherwise, I mean, this is a very doable task. And then, you know, all of a sudden you're talking about winning the regional, going and playing maybe Florida uh you know in a best of three which would again could they avenge the softball team's loss to to Florida. So uh I think the road, the way you gotta look at it, the the road is is there for Virginia Tech to make a run. Uh we'll see what happens when they get, you know, if they can make it all the way to bracket play and whatnot. But uh, you know, it's exciting and it's especially exciting they're bringing a thousand more seats. It's gonna be five thousand seats there. So th- this is going to be not only is it like you're hosting, but I'm sure the atmosphere and we're talking about an atmosphere for a baseball game at Virginia Tech is going to be phenomenal.
1: Oh, yeah. No, it is going to be truly something to behold. And I don't really know how to get a grasp on Gonzaga. Believe it or not, I actually used to be a pretty big right State baseball fan like three or four years ago when I was doing the summer league baseball thing, calling games. I worked for a team in Ohio, which happened to get like five or six right state players every year. They'd basically take the max from one university. And those guys, I, w- I was there for two years. So those guys kind of came back here after year. So I'd watch all their games in the spring, been, been chatting with them. So it's, uh, it's funny for me. Hopefully one of them can hook me up with tickets because uh, it's not, it's not going to be an easy ticket to get here at English field and union park this weekend, but from what my right state intel tells me, this is one of the most beatable right state teams in years. Uh you have Columbia out of the Ivy League and then and then Gonzaga. So I guess three mid major programs, which I'm sure if uh things don't go swimmingly will push some Virginia Tech fans towards the edge. But it's college baseball. Anything can happen, but uh you know, you just gotta hope that you don't have uh a surprise where, I mean, we got Carolina at the wrong time because even though Carolina was the HC in the ACC tournament, they were just lights out in May, pretty much all together. One of the hottest hitting teams in all of college baseball during that month. So though we were all surprised to see Hackenberg just get shelled the way that he did. I mean, the one, two, three for a weekend series seems to be pretty well defined here for Virginia Tech. Sundays were an issue before. They seem to have figured it out. And I mean, just look at the batting averages up and down the board. Look at, you know, Gavin Cross being the number nine overall MLB prospect. And I believe you have Showball and one other guy. I can't pinpoint who it is off the top of my head. Kate in that, Hunter. Kate Hunter, yeah, both in the top 150. I mean, this is something that you didn't see out of Virginia Tech baseball. I mean, we have one major league player right now that's Packing Mountain. He played for some of those middling teams. But this is a team laden with pro prospects. My my only fear the entire time is like did we just get a little hot too early?
0: Yeah, and and you know l- looking at this, I mean the last time Virginia Tech played Wright State they won seventeen to one. You know they they got blindsided game one lost eleven to five, then they won nine to three, and then seventeen to one. So you know it shouldn't be a problem against Wright State. I think Gonzaga's is interesting. Uh, I think they have three pitchers that are in the MLB one fifty prospects. Um, again, all pitchers. Um, so they're kind of built for a weekend like this to have three aces going out there. Um, but then offensively, you know, not great. So uh, this should be, you know, I'm not going to say easy, but very doable for Virginia Tech to get out of here. And then, you know, like I said earlier, I'm excited to see if all things work out and they play Florida. Can they avenge the softball team? That will be the narrative there. Um, but Can also they Florida's a team? heck of a Can team. Can they
1: avenge the 2021 basketball team?
0: I mean, there's a, there's a bunch. There's a bunch of storylines here. Can Virginia Tech athletics
1: pull one out over Florida athletics? It's no easy task, but, you know, <laughs> let's get through Columbia, Wright State, and Gonzaga first. But that being said, like, to your point, this isn't a situation, like, based on the research that I've done. I'd be lying to everyone here, And I probably am going to try to see if I can find time and maybe do a little more in-depth research tomorrow and just do a little preview of the three teams in the regional and post it on 247. I might not, though, so don't take that as a promise, listeners. That being said, from what I have looked at, you know, they're in some region somewhere. Someone's got UNC as their two seed or three seed, and they're like, what the hell this train is moving at a thousand miles an hour <laughs> Like we're getting gypped. It, it doesn't seem like Gonzaga didn't even win the West Coast Conference the University of San Diego did saw that so who knows maybe that will uh fire them up but again it, it's baseball and truly anything can happen but as we saw with the softball team if you drop one where you're not supposed to then uh you really just have your work cut out for you <laughs> and uh Hopefully Virginia Tech can do it with ease, and that won't be the case, but obviously the primary goal just to get to the second weekend <laughs> one step at a time. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Uh, last thing for you, Matei, speaking of eating the elephant, uh, one bite at a time is a good way to describe how that 2023 recruiting class is starting to uh, roll in. There's been some action. What are your thoughts so far?
0: Yeah, I'm loving what Virginia Tech is doing right now. And, uh, you know, I posted a little bit of it on Twitter, but, you know, everything has a purpose when it comes to Virginia Tech recruiting right now. Um, you know, get, get getting Dylan Whitakey, a guy that, you know, was a backup quarterback at Buford that ran a four or five. Backed up a prospect that went to Stanford last year. Virginia Tech got on him early. He's expected to have a huge season, could blow up into a four-star. Uh, Dante Lovett was a big one, taking him away from Maryland. Uh, Marcel Baylor has been in the boat for a little bit, but, you know, getting a guy from Radford that, you know, right now headlines the list. Um, you know, Hans Hammer, the best name ever uh, for an offensive line prospect and, Speaking of the offensive line, just building depth there uh, for Joe Rudolph. So right now, Virginia Tech has eight commits. Uh, they rank number 22 in the country. We all know that's probably going to go down as time goes on. But that's to, to, to say what they're doing right now. I mean, they're recruiting at a top 25 level. A lot of these guys, I think some will go down. I think some will go up. I think there's a lot of intriguing prospects, but... This is the baseline for the Brent Pry era, and making sure that you calculate it, and you're not just taking everyone. Like, there's a reason there was a surge in May. There was time to evaluate, to talk to the guys, to you know see where they needed to to fit certain prospects, uh, accept commitments. Uh, these are the guys they're confident in. And, you know, Virginia Tech is doing a great job right now. I know a lot of people will look at it and say, where's the four stars? Like we brought Brent Pry in to bring in four star talent, high end talent. He recruited at a high level at Penn State. You know, that will come in time. You have to set the foundation first. And it's very helpful when you get a quarterback, some weapons that you can put either at wide receiver, defensive back. You're getting guys you can put on the offensive and defensive line. Uh, And not only that, but, you know, getting four guys so far from the Commonwealth of Virginia, making Virginia a priority again. I mean, so far, they're checking the right boxes. They're getting the right prospects. And, you know, I think they're doing a great job of filling out the class.
1: Indeed. Indeed. All right. Last thing I got for us here today, the ECC talking about redoing the scheduling process saying sayonara to the divisions and just picking like three games that you play every year and then five on five off. First of all, what do you, what do you think of the proposal? I kind of
0: hate it. I, I mean, to be honest, I don't, I didn't do a lot of research on Virginia tech Twitter when it came out to see what other opinions were, but I'm not a huge fan of that in case things go south in case we're locked with Boston college you know, as one of the three. Um, but That would I, totally happen, by the way. <laughs> it will happen. Um, but, you know, I, I guess I'm just so used to how things have been done that, you know, to me, I understand, you know, getting more, you know, the five on, five off, getting more exposure to other teams that you don't regularly see. Like there is a big problem that Virginia Tech is almost never playing, you know, Florida, the Florida State's. Um, you know, barely playing the Louisville's until last year. Um but overall I, I I just I don't quite understand the proposal. I don't know quite what to make of it, other than it doesn't seem like the best
1: plan moving forward. Yeah, and I'm with you on that, Mate. It's uh I mean I just like the idea of being able to win your division. Like Virginia Tech. Despite the fact they haven't really been like a conference contender, they've been a division contender because Clemson is just, you know, that 10,000 pound gorilla standing at the top of the mountain and no one's very close to pulling them off, you know, with the exception of, I guess, Pittsburgh last year. But I, I think that we can assume that the pattern will revert back to normal and, you know, Clemson will be the team to beat once again. I like the idea of playing the other teams more often, though. I mean, I I think it's silly that Florida State, last time they came to Blacksburg, was like a decade ago. Like, I'd like to see that game every four years rather than every, you know, 13 or whatever it may be. So there's definitely pros and cons. Dream scenario, if they do move to that, I mean, obviously they're going to keep – UVA is a lock. I'd like Carolina. And Pitt, maybe? I don't know about Pitt. Pitt is
0: like could be in, could be out, just because I feel like things always go wrong at Heinz Field. That's um, true. But I would be. It's a good like rivalry. To, it's a good rivalry, though. It's a great rivalry. I it's probably gonna be like a I mean you and I I doubt they put UNC there, but I think I think all Virginia Tech fans would agree that the games they want to see are easily Virginia and UNC. Uh, and then you can ask anyone. There's probably a million different answers for the number three team. Um, I wouldn't want it to be like a team like Duke. I'd rather it be a competitive game like a Pittsburgh, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's, you know, a Boston college, like I said earlier. Um, and then also like you were saying, I just love coastal chaos, you know, the fact that in the last eight years, every single team in the coastal has worn the crown, like that's what we want to see every year. You don't know, trying to map out all the different ways that every team could go 500 in the coastal and there would be a seven way tie. That's what we want to see. So I don't know. It's a weird format, in my opinion. We'll see what happens with it.
1: Yeah, and, and as much as I do want to see Carolina, it seems like if they were to go to this methodology, they would almost certainly just, you know, Duke, NC State, Wake Forest, and Carolina would be, you know, each other's group essentially, and they'd all play each other just for regional interests, I suppose, and traditional rivalries, of course. But I, I mean, I don't know how far away from this we even are. I think that obviously we're rolling with Coastal Chaos for at least one more year. But, I mean, we're in a time where the ACC is you know, going to have to try to get innovative in the age of NIL, and I'm interested to see what direction they go in. All right, Matei, good 30 minutes, probably the same amount of time you and me usually talk because we take out Evan's 30 minutes. Anything to say to the people at home before uh, Regionals Weekend? No, I just get excited for Virginia
0: Tech baseball. It's it's good to see that all Virginia Tech athletics are, are you know, turning the page and, you know, not only that, but national powerhouses in both baseball and softball. Uh, football season less than 95 days away. So other than that, if you're watching the NHL playoffs, go
1: Rangers. Fair enough. Fair enough. Good for you. The Carolina Hurricanes are no more. All right, that's it for Inside the Tunnel, VT Scoop 24 Sports. We'll have another episode probably dropping super early next week, an exclusive interview, Andrew Alex, Evan Watkins, and a recruit. We know you guys love recruits, so now you actually get to hear them talk. I'm excited for me. I'm excited for you. But, as always, rate, review, subscribe, become a VIP on vtscoop.com. It's the best you can do to keep this content coming. And other than that, Enjoy your weekend, folks. Summertime is finally here. Go Hokies.